Join me as singer Rebecca Dumaine talks to me about her music and life lessons with the great Dave Miller Trio, this time on Audibly Speaking. Hi, I'm Rick Ryman, host of Audibly Speaking, a show on the stories behind the stories of our time. By sounding out on these stories, we give voice to them and hear them for the first time. From the news of the day to history and literature, from audiobooks to leaders on the stump, we examine the backstories of our time, audibly speaking. Hello, this is Rick Ryman, your host on Audibly Speaking, with a very special episode. The number of people who love jazz bands and singers are legion, but so too are the numbers of people who have never been initiated into this enormously important and historical branch of the American musical scene. For most Americans, I suspect, the heyday of the great American songbook ended sometime between the breakout of Elvis and the emergence of the Beatles. But this classic mid-century style the poetry of American jazz in song, deserves a hearing for those who have sadly been without it, and we are so lucky to have the jazz groups of today to bring it to us. I recently spoke to a singer, Rebecca Dumaine, about her work with her jazz band, the Dave Miller Trio, of California by way of New York. Ms. Dumaine is an actor as well as a singer, and her talent for bringing to life these lyrically witty and musically clever songs, many of them little-known gems, reveal their enormous interpretive possibilities and evergreen relevance to our lives today. Whether in normal times, remember those, or in times like ours, these songs speak to us. Singers such as Rebecca Dumaine show us how in their performances. But I wanted Rebecca to show us why in conversation, and she graciously agreed to answer a few of my questions. As you will soon hear, Rebecca is a wickedly talented scat singer with a clarion voice that is every note the instrument to challenge the best that the guys in the trio have to offer. I wanted to explore a trio of themes. First, how her acting skills help uncover the storytelling behind these songs. Second, how her acting career bridged the period between her first singing gig with her father, Dave Miller himself, at the age of 16, to the most recent decade when she and the trio have really set the world on fire with a series of brilliant recordings in the style of Blossom Deary and George Shearing. And finally, the process by which an ordinary mortal, in our heart-rending now, can turn a lyric and a melody into something both heart-stopping and inspiring. If you're wondering what I mean, just listen. Just friends, lovers no more. Just friends, but not like before. To think of what we've been And not to kiss again Seems like pretending That this isn't the ending Two friends Drifting apart Two friends But one broken heart We loved, we laughed 
Now, I noticed that you were 16 years old when you first performed with your dad. And a lot of people would say that might have put you on the trajectory of a career as a singer. But that's not the way you went. So could you explain that for you us? You bet. Yes. Well, I'll, I, for me, jazz and the standards and singing with my dad was just a natural thing, right, that I've been doing since I was tiny. Um, and then to do it you know, at a gig when I was 16, getting hit on by strange men when my dad was like, hello, I'm her dad, please walk away. Um, It was fun for me, but it wasn't, it was just normal. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to pursue something that was brand new and unique to me. And I loved acting and I studied acting in undergrad. I have an MFA in, in acting as well. So that's where my path initially took me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's I love to think that it's a homecoming, really, that I right. came back, came back to jazz when I was ready to come back to jazz, when I'd done my other thing and then could bring all of that to music. Yeah. And then how many years were you in acting, would you say? Gosh, um, I was professionally acting since I was maybe 19, 20 until gosh, I would say I would say a good 20 years of my oh. life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I traveled all over the States doing regional theater and lived and in New York. And for a while you loved it, right? Oh, I loved it while I was doing it every minute until I didn't, until, <laughs> I got, until I got pregnant with my son, which is so weird. All of a sudden I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I'm done. Isn't that a terrific life lesson for people to hear? Yeah. You can start something new. I started at age 40 singing professionally. Wow. Yeah. You can reinvent yourself. You can. Or you can build upon what you already did and and just tweak it so that you're putting... It's not that you're erasing everything that you did before, right? Mm. If I hadn't had that path, I wouldn't bring my bent and my point of view to the songs that I sing, right? Right. You say that this turn of affairs had something to do with uh, having a child? Yeah. When I was, when I was pregnant with, with my son... Um, I had a, I had a gig early on, uh, at Ellis Island. Oh, my dad, my dad's band came into town and I, I would either just given birth or, or, or right before. And I was like, wow, this speaks to me, uh, viscerally. Do you know? It was like mm-hmm. a body thing. My body said, Oh, this is what I need to do now. You know? And I already knew it because I grew up with it. It was like, you know, in my blood, in my, in my bones. Right. Yeah. See, I think we recorded in 2011 and my first CD, Deed I Do, came out in 2012. So yeah, I jumped right in (laughs) with a trio, started getting us gigs because, you know, everyone wants a singer. Sorry, guys. That's, we started getting, you know, they were their own trio. But as soon as I moved back here, we started getting regular gigs because they wanted the girl. 
So um, I started just learning on the job, and we started recording soon thereafter. Yeah. Okay. So uh, do you do you ever listen to those first recordings and think, oh no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I sure do. I mean, with any recording, and I think you would ask a lot of musicians, and they would answer the same way. It's like ah. I could have done that better. Oh, I could have done that better, right? But for sure, listening to my sound in my first CD as opposed to the last one that just came out, it's definitely an evolution. But at the same time, I'm sure you're your biggest critic, you know? I, I sure hope so because I'm very self-critical. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there aren't other people that are as critical, but I'm sure there are. Oh, okay. You have this this particular style. I've grown up with the American Songbook, but I'm kind of unusual in my generation. And and so I wonder, uh, do you have a hard time getting people to understand the beauty and the artistry of this music so that they appreciate it as fully as they should? Mm, it's a really, really nuanced question. Um, I think there is a new generation of jazz artists that is very encouraging to me. I mean, there are some kick-ass jazz musicians coming up. So I don't, everyone always says jazz is dying. I don't believe that. <laughs> I think it's got a, it's had a resurgence. Um, I think anybody who enjoyed theater or musical theater, so many of the tunes that are part of the Great American Songbook came from Broadway, came from off-Broadway shows, right? Even flops, you know? Um, like the Rodgers and Hammerstein show Allegro. Who's ever heard of this? I hadn't, right? But like The Gentleman is a Dope, which is on my newest CD, is from that. I mean, there are so many wonderful gems to mine. Um, but I think that, you know, any good music is good music, right? So if you have a cool spin on it, if you're telling a story, then you're going to have an audience. Well, and there's also an inexhaustible store out there to draw from. Yeah. Uh, I think of Blossom Deary, and uh, mm. I, I came across an album of hers called My Gentleman Friend. And um, it has so many uh, songs on there that ought to see the light of day today, you know. It's so funny that you say that because I just, I, I, um, I've started singing that song. I have a weekly gig now, now that things are opening up a little bit. And My Gentleman Friend, uh, Nancy Wilson's version as well is is lovely. But both of them, such fantastic lyrics and I agree they're just I'm always on the lookout for for a new oldie if you will right so then that that segues into another question which is who decides what songs your group is going to sing so the short answer is I am (laughs) (laughs) I am a little bit controlling and um also you know I find stuff that suits me Right. And then the band can support that every once in a while, a band member will say, hey, have you done this song? And I'll find it. And and my dad, who is my pianist, um, the two of us have a great time finding tunes and saying, hey, I just heard this. Check out this version. You know, we have this banter between us in terms of recording. Depends on if we're having like this last album, Someday, Someday, which was released in 2020. Um that which was i'm sorry recorded in 2020 and released this year that had a very specific thematic progression that i wanted to craft very specifically so i found all of those songs and put together the order um but some of our earlier cds have been more of you know a handful of delightful lesser known tunes do you know mm-hmm. 
And what about the, the I guess it's called the vocalese portions of the vocalese or the scat? Yeah. So vocalese is a little bit different from scat. So vocalese tends to be words that have been put together to a musician's solo. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done a lot of vocalese, but the scat or improvisational style singing. Right. Yeah. That I come up with on my own. Unless I'm doing a unison riff with the piano, mm-hmm. which we've done a lot of, and that my dad will come up with, or I'll come up with, or we'll come up with it together in a rehearsal and we're just messing around. Right. So, I, I was wondering about that, how that works, yeah. because I could I could see some composers sitting down at the piano and, and trying to write that, but I was more thinking it probably happens during rehearsal. It happens during rehearsal, and sometimes for the sake of a recording in particular, we'll write it out, you know, so that we're doing the same relative line. Um Again, performing live is its own beast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you, know, you don't know where that's going to go. But yeah, for recording, it tends to be a little bit more scripted. Well, I got the impression that when you, per- when you perform live, that you've got it all mapped out. You've got every turn or phrase. You don't spontaneously go with something, do you? Absolutely do. And here's the thing. I think early on in when I was learning how to be a jazz singer, you know, I would have called myself a jazzy singer at the beginning because I was came back. I came from the theater where you have a script. (laughs) And even though I learned, you know, a technique of acting, the Meisner technique, which is more improvisational, I was so scared. (laughs) to screw up in front of these guys who've been doing this forever, that I was much more planned out. As I've gotten older, as life has taken turns, you know, I absolutely don't plan out. I will put together a set list and I'll say, hey, let's skip this one and let's do that one. I'm much more at ease now saying, eh, I don't feel like doing that one today. Let's do this. Mm. And I think that does make it seem more natural, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It's not scripted. Yeah, What would you say to people who think that the singer is the star (laughs) and the band is the backup? You know, they're there, but they don't contribute that much to the performance. Uh, How would you push back to that? Oh, I would push back wholeheartedly (laughs) just because the singer is in front, right? Might have a pretty dress on. No way. She can't do what she's doing or he can't do what he's doing if there isn't the band. I mean, they are integral, I would say more important, you know, I mean, the voice is another instrument in this group, right? Not the main one, but another one. I can definitely see that um, because the, the instruments in the band sort of meld with the singing and kind of confirm the emotion that's taking place there. You know, if there's a little bit of piano music after a line, it kind of reinforces the point of the line, doesn't it? I agree. It's a conversation. It's, it's a musical conversation. It's a conversation. And it, it's sort of acting, isn't it? It absolutely is. And that's why I think coming to jazz later, having gone down the acting road, has been a homecoming, you know? And I've brought all of the acting stuff of being able to listen and respond and tell a story, but to tell it in this new musical language. Right. Exactly. Now, one of the questions I had was um, a lot of the songs you sing are really upbeat. You know, they're really high spirited, funny, but but also it's almost like this person is really in love, you know, and they're trying to share it with the world. 
Now, is it hard to sing those kind of songs if you're not in that kind of a mood when you're trying to sing it? That's such an awesome question. Such an awesome question, because this is what I, I also am a teacher of voice um, and I teach in an acting school. And I say to my students all the time, you know what? You got to you got to be where you are, you know. So like during the pandemic, that was a rough time, <laughs> really rough. And there was no denying that part of myself. Right. So personally, I think singing an upbeat song from a sad heart is super interesting. Mm. You know, the contrast can be super interesting because it tells a different kind of story. So I think that you can sing a sad song when you're really happy and you can sing a really peppy, upbeat song when you're pissed off because it brings something completely different to the table. And I, I find that super challenging and fascinating. And you don't advertise it as such when you, when you uh, put it out there. You, you just say, this is, this is the song. Yeah, you know, because the listener can interpret, right, what that story is depending upon where he or she is that day. Do you know? For sure, the latest album that we did had tunes that were more bittersweet or melancholy, right, for a reason. Because right. this was such a challenging time globally, a challenging time in my own family with my kids having to be stuck at home, me teaching, you know, in the little corner. It was crazy. And uh, I couldn't deny the fact that this was this was not a peppy time right. for us. Right. So even the songs that are kind of fun and they all have a little bit of a glimmer of eh, this kind of sucks or, hey, that's a bummer underneath it. You know, explain the uh, design or purpose of that YouTube video you put out March of last year. I think it was Stranger Than Anything. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was my second album was better than anything. It's a great tune. And I love tunes with a lot of lyrics and a lot of fun lyrics. Um, and I started composing. There are two songs on my newest CD that I wrote. And I, I started playing with lyrics, right? Just changing lyrics. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to reach out with, again, with humor, with heart, mm -hmm. with grace to say, hey, you know what? I have never seen anything stranger than this. Have you? <laughs> you know, and that was a way of, of reaching out to fans and friends and family members and saying, you know, we have to look at this with a little bit of dark humor. But we can in still order sting. to get and we can still and we can still sing yeah. with the sting. Right. But yeah. Did you write the lyrics for that? I did. Oh, OK. You're doing a public service, it seems to me, to help lift people up in the pandemic. When you cross the line from just saying, there's performance here and then there's life over here, and we're yeah. going to keep those separate, and, and you're not right. keeping those separate, which is good in my view. It seems to me you should want to show that these songs are about life. Yeah. And that, and that even a love song is, you know, multi-layered, Right. right? You can sing a love song from a broken heart. That's the beauty of the songbook, right? Is that it's so open to interpretation artist by artist. Yeah. In a seemingly antiquated songbook mm -hmm. that is very relevant. I think, I think that would be the thing. Like, listen to these lyrics and listen to these musical motifs. And do you, do you see, like Shakespeare, right? right? Shakespeare still speaks to the masses today. 
right? This is a human condition. This is a a brief existence that we have on right, this plane. Right. And these songs speak to wherever you are at any juncture in your life. And I hope that I hope that they'll be treasured. How do you feel you've done in terms of widening the field of your exposure? In other words, are more and more people coming to your events? Although it's hard to tell with the COVID year. It's hard to tell right now. Here's how I know that we are getting a broader audience is that we're on Pandora and Spotify and We've had radio campaigns for the last couple of CDs. Um, and so we're getting play globally, which is lovely. And so I'll get notes from fans, you know, in Germany or mm-hmm. in France. And I sing in French as well. My mom was a French teacher and I speak French. I'm a Francophile. And so <laughs> it's been fun to sing in different languages, right? Because that's very right away. You've added more listeners. Well, you're on Amazon, too. I'm on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the beauty of, right, technology now. There's just a broader a broader audience automatically. I mean, I've heard people going back a ways, like uh, Tony Bennett. I mean, he, he also mines the deeper treasures of the American songbook. Sure. Uh, but, but more recently, you hear people uh, doing the standards, like Someone to Watch Over Me, which is a mm-hmm. song that I, I used to love and I can't listen to it anymore because I've heard it yeah. so often. Understood. Yeah. yeah. So so what your group is doing is so amazing to me. And, oh, thank um, you. I know that people, they, they either appreciate it or they, they, <laughs> they should appreciate it, you know. <laughs> well, that's nice. I mean, we do try to get in some Beatles tunes and, you know, I I have a real um, affinity for tunes of the 70s. You know, I have a Joni Mitchell tune in there. So I, I do try to pop in some more contemporary tunes with, a, with you know, the songbook. Okay. Uh, now, l- let me, let's try to shift course just a bit. There's something special about being able to perform with your dad. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? That just it's like the greatest gift. Right. Of right. My life. On the other hand, it's sometimes they say it's, it's a challenge. If, if for example, you work with your <laughs> spouse or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think working. So I've worked with my spouse on stage and we decided, no, we should not. Do- <laughs> That's not good. But working with my dad, you know, I've gotten this question before. It's like, He's just my musical soulmate. We, I don't think of him as my dad. Do you know what I mean? When we're working together, it's like we just get each other. I can look at him because he's my dad mm-hmm. and know exactly what I'm saying to him. He knows he knows how to interpret my look. Do you know what I mean? It's like a built-in silent language that we have. Right. And it's it's never annoying. I would say he might disagree <laughs> because maybe I get a little bossy sometimes, but it's it's been nothing but joy truly i'm very lucky yeah now one question i have is that your voice seems to have a very special kind of range would you agree with that it goes from a lower register to a much higher register Do you, would you agree with that i would and you know i'm i'm really glad you brought that up because the work that i teach which is really what brought me back to singing is called freeing the natural voice my voice teacher, Kristen Linkletter, who passed away a year ago, um, taught a technique 
which is all about expanding your vocal range. Like when you're born, you're born with a huge range that over the course of life gets diminished, mm -hmm. right? right. Based, based mostly on psychological factors, right? I don't want to, I don't want to sound too much like this person. I want to stay in a comfortable place where people will accept me. We really limit ourselves in our speaking voices, but it was the speaking voice work that brought me back to singing jazz because it's all about what is your authentic voice? You don't need to sound like Nancy Wilson. You don't need to sound like Blossom Deary. You can imitate them on a riff, but ultimately people want to hear your voice. Right. Right. That's what I tell my actors. And that's what I've, my goal is, is I want someone to turn on the, the radio and say, that's Rebecca Dumaine. I can hear her sound. Sure. Right. Uh, you don't want to be a second rate Blossom Deary. You want to be a first rate Rebecca Dumaine. You know? That's right. Who can appreciate Blossom, right? I love her. Yeah. I always tried to see her in New York when I was living there, but um, it was towards the end of her life. And, and she, she um, canceled a lot of shows, which is sad towards the end. Yeah, uh, one of the, the writers, Will Friedwald, he said she's, she was a kind of a piece of work, you know? She, well, yeah, I think a lot of artists are. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I must say, you are so nice to Oh, talk. I really appreciate it. No, it's, my, it's truly my pleasure. If you appreciate my music, that's a gift to me. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. Some final thoughts from my conversation with Rebecca Dumain. Her latest album, Someday, Someday, breaks new ground for the singer. It contains songs that speak to the emotions we all feel in this seemingly never-ending pandemic. Especially exciting are two songs written by Rebecca herself. My advice and my cure for the COVID blues, Alexa, shuffle songs by Rebecca Dumain. Baby, dismiss the magic moments that appear every day When being in the present seems too much Darling, don't shut your ears and eyes and run away It's time to change your point of view So you can look at things anew You gotta focus all that energy on making up for lost time So take your first steps back to you then we can write ourselves a happy little new song. Bada day, da 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 day, da